So we find ourselves, again, in this longer conversation that Jesus is having with His disciples. And again, if you want to follow along, there is an outline there in your bulletin. Uh, this longer conversation really is, this is kind of, when you look at the, the series that we're in, this is the Assurance of Salvation series, and this is the reason why we are looking at this longer conversation is because of how Jesus is explaining the role of the Holy Spirit to His believers he, and, and how the Holy Spirit is going to work, not just in our lives, but in the, in the world as well. And so this is kind of that, that, the whole point of why we're studying this is the, to get to this point where Jesus explains in full detail the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Again, sometimes, depending on your church tradition, where you grew up in, you hear the phrase Holy Spirit or you hear the phrase the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of funny things that you can say about that, uh, about the Holy Ghost in, in, in the sense of costumes um, but with like holes and bash sheets and who are you? Oh, you're the Holy Ghost uh, type deal if you... Um, that's from the 90s when that's some of the strange things we did as a church uh, growing up. But the interesting thing about all this is how the role of God's Spirit works in our lives. And again, sometimes when you look at, again, your church tradition, you hear the phrase, the Holy Spirit. You, you forget sometimes of this is, there's a lot of abuse that goes on with the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. And we sometimes, again, to, to respond to that, we almost swing the whole totally different direction and say, oh, we just don't talk about the Holy Spirit because we just don't know what to do with Him. Whereas when you actually start with Scripture and you see this is how the Holy Spirit, the function of the Holy Spirit, then we can see, well, this is an abuse of it, and this is not how, well, how the Holy Spirit is supposed to function. And so that's what this conversation Jesus is having. Again, this is a larger conversation that we've been looking at. As Jesus is there in the upper room, and He goes to that upper room in John chapter 13, and He is there celebrating that Passover. He knows that His hour had come. This is the final time He will be celebrating the Passover. In a matter of hours, He would be arrested in Gethsemane, and He will then be put on trial and be crucified. He understands that. And so he has this conversation with his disciples of, of to kind of prepare them for what's going to happen. And what's going to happen after he leaves them uh, permanently. To help them understand that they this is what's going to happen in their lives. And that's the whole purpose of John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and his uh, what's called the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, where Jesus actually prays for his believers, including us. And we'll get that here in the next uh, several weeks when we get to John chapter 17. But the whole entire purpose of this entire conversation is to prepare his disciples. And so John chapter 14, 13 and 14, they're there in that upper room. And then at the beginning of John chapter 15, and at 14, Jesus says, let's leave. So then they start going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as Jesus is going to the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 15 and 16, He is having this conversation as they walk to that Garden of Gethsemane. And one of the things that Jesus says over and over again is that, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to abandon you and leave you as orphans and just figure this out on your own. But I'm going to send another helper. I'm going to send another advocate. And depending on your English translations, that's, what it's, that's the word there, advocate or helper. And Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17, If you love me, then you keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper or advocate to help you and be with you forever. And who is that? The Spirit of truth. And so as we look at this section here in John chapter 16, we kind of want to take a step back and ask this question of, okay, look at this larger conversation first. What are some ways that Jesus has said the Holy Spirit is going to function in our lives? This helper, this advocate. How is this helper going to function? And we've already seen a couple of these. And again, this kind of a review is number one. The Holy Spirit will remain with believers forever. We saw that in the verses that I just read. John chapter 14, verse 16. He's going to be with you forever. Again, we don't have to go back to the Old Testament uh, mentality of, oh, oh, if I sin, God removes His Holy Spirit from us like that's what the kings were afraid of. Again, the average Jewish person in the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit a part of their life. That's the difference between New Testament and Old Testament. The average Jewish believer did not have the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was only given to kings. The Holy Spirit was only given to prophets. And it was only given to certain people for certain times. Nowadays, New Testament-wise, and what Jesus is saying here, is that the Holy Spirit will remain with you, referring to disciples, referring to believers, for forever. Not only that, but He will be in believers. And again, that word in, yes, means location. He dwells in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as Paul says. But this also in means this, to control or to influence our lives. So we talk about, yes, we our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are talking about how God's Spirit, as believers in Jesus Christ, is leading us, is influencing us. It is in control of our lives. When we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we give up control of our lives and He becomes the Master and the Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us, to influence us in our daily lives. And we can see that back in John chapter 14, verse 17. Another verse that, another thing that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit is this, that the Holy Spirit is going to be, be our teacher. John chapter 14, verse 26. Let me read that. For us, he says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He's going to be that instructor. He's going to teach us what it means to be live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That He leads us. So that as we go throughout our daily lives, He is the one who, if we're... we're Seeing something, and he's like, no, don't do that. Or don't say that. Or he, he's that one that is that teacher that leads us and guides us and teaches us what it means to live a life that is pleasing and honoring God. And then finally, one of the things that we saw is that he is also that reminder. He reminds, uh, according to the verse that I just read in 20, verse 26, but the Holy Spirit, the Helper, whom the Father sends in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the role of the Holy Spirit in the early disciples' life was to remind them what Jesus has said. Holy Spirit in our lives is to remind us of God's Word. 
So that again, as we live this life, as we go throughout our days, as we're in the line in Walmart, or as we're in the line in, in the post office, or as we're, we're interacting with our neighbors, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us of His Word, to under, teaches us this is how we are to live. It reminds us of these are the promises of God. When we're going through tough times, when we get that phone call saying that we ha- we're dealing with this terminal illness, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us of the promises of God that He is that good shepherd that will be with us. He never leaves us. He never, he never forsakes us and turns our backs on. He will be that provider that we need day in and day out. It's the Holy Spirit that brings these things to our mind so that we can hang on to them, the promises of God. The other thing we saw last week, is that it's the Holy Spirit that bears witness to Jesus. And that's what we saw last week in verse 26. Let me uh, read John chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper, or the Advocate, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify, He will bear witness about Me. He's the one that goes to peoples and says, the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. He's the one that bears witness of who Jesus is. So that's what we've seen up to this point. But Jesus goes on in this section that we read here, starting in verse 4, to kind of, again, explain a little bit more about the, how the Holy Spirit especially works with unbelievers. If you want to say that the first part is all about you know how the Holy Spirit works in, in our lives as believers, uh, the, the, these kind of ones is, deals with the unbelievers. How is the Holy Spirit working in unbelievers' lives? And the first one you see there, starting in verse 5, I've told you this so that when this time comes, the time comes, remember that I warned you about that, again, that persecution. And then he goes on, I will not tell you this from, I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. Verse 5, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask where you are going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is good for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. And when I'm gone, then I will send Him. Then verse 8, When He comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, He will rebuke the world. One of the things of how the Holy Spirit functions in unbelievers is that He is going to rebuke the world. And that understanding of rebuke means that He is going to express strong disapproval of how people are living. He's going to, God has poured out His Spirit onto uh, this world and, and inwardly inside, even though they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, inwardly inside, they understand that there is something wrong. That maybe there's something wrong with them. And now, of course, we call that sin. We call that, sometimes we use that term as, well, it's their conscience, but really it's the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is going to be sent to this world and it's going. To, the Holy Spirit is going to rebuke, is going to tell the world they are wrong. And Jesus goes on and says this. To rebuke the world, number one, about their sin. So one of the rules of the Holy Spirit is, especially to unbelievers, is to convict them of their sin. To show them 
that they are sinners before holy God. That's one reason why I pray. And you've heard me pray this before. Lord, would You pour out Your Spirit on our community? Would You help them to understand the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Would You help them to understand how they are sinners in need of a Savior? That's the role of the Holy Spirit working in unbelievers' lives. God pours out His Spirit in them to convict them of their sin. If you jump down to verse 9, Jesus says about sin... Because they, referring to unbelievers, they do not believe in me. Again, if you stop an average person on the street, especially in America, there's an inward sense that they understand that this world is broken. That this world is falling apart. That they're not perfect. That they have not lived a perfect life. Now, it happens so many times when you go on in those conversations, they say this, well, I'm not as bad as that person, so surely, and if they believe in God, surely God will let me into heaven. But then when you start talking with them, saying it's perfection, that's the standard. It's not, are you better than that person or that person? It's perfection. Again, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, especially unbelievers, is that He convicts them of their sin, that they show their heart showing that something is desperately wrong. The other thing, Jesus goes on there that says, He will rebuke the world, uh, verse 8, when He comes, He will rebuke the world about sin and about righteousness. Concerning sin, concerning Righteousness. And righteousness is this a, a kind of a, a big term meaning meaning a person that is is righteous is a person that is right with God. That they're living a, a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. And again, the Holy Spirit is going to rebuke the world, unbelievers, that, that their lifestyle is not is not pleasing to God. They may think it's pleasing to God, but it's not. Again, so many times we think in our own lives, in, in, our, in, in our minds, especially maybe before we knew the, understood the gospel of Jesus, is that we could earn our, our way into heaven. That we can do, as long as our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, everything's okay. But then when we started looking at Scripture in some of these passages, Paul says, don't you realize that your, 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 what you think are good deeds are actually this, this ugly soiled, rotten rag compared to God's righteousness. And again, we can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our way into heaven. And that was one of the things that the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, one of the Holy Spirit is going to do is there, the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to convict the, the world of this understanding that how they are living is not pleasing and is not right with God. Again, the Holy Spirit is going to show them that they need a Savior. Because not only is the Holy Spirit going to rebuke the world from sin, from righteousness, but is also going to convict, as Jesus says there in verse 8, about sin, about righteousness, and about, number three, judgment. Or future condemnation. Again, what the understanding is there 
is that one day, every single person, doesn't matter who you are, every single person is going to stand before God and be judged. That's what Revelation chapter 20 talks about. In the language there, it doesn't matter how important you think you are in this earth or how unimportant you think you are in this earth. The President of the United States is going to stand before God. All the presidents are. Down to the lowest of the lowest servant in the world is going to stand before God and give an account. And the role of the Holy Spirit according to what Jesus says here, is He's going to rebuke the, the, the unbelievers and He's going to show them and He's going to help them understand that that process and that one day they're going to stand before God Almighty and they're going to be judged and they are going to be the, the word that is in our English translations is judgment, but literally it means condemn. They stand guilty before a holy God condemned that's why when you look at the book of romans romans chapters 1 2 and 3 that was paul's whole argument after he gets through the introductory of of who who he is what he's writing and praising the lord he gets to the the famous version of the uh, i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ is the power of god and then he goes on and starts talking about how every single person doesn't matter who you are if you are a pagan you stand guilty before a holy God. If you are a religious person that thinks that everything, that, that you can earn your way to heaven, well, guess what? You stand guilty before a holy God. If you are a Jewish person that, that has God's law, well, guess what? You stand guilty before a holy God. Which is why when you get to Romans chapter 3, verses 23, where you say, for all have sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. But the, the, the First part of that verse is actually in chapter 20, 20 uh, sorry, verse 22, where it talks about it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all are condemned before a holy God. And it's the Holy Spirit that works in unbelievers' lives that helps them to recognize that. Think about when you first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was at a vacation Bible school at the age of five. And as we, as my mom was leading that vacation Bible school and, and she presented the gospel of Jesus, there was something down deep inside that I knew I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. And so when my mom gave that invitation, if you want to know Jesus, uh, uh, come on down and, and we can uh, dismiss everybody else. And then we had a conversation with myself and a few other kids that responded to the gospel of Jesus. But how did I get to that place where I knew that I needed a Savior in my life, when I knew I needed, the God, when I knew I needed to respond to the gospel of Jesus? It was because the Holy Spirit was working in my life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Before a person can ever understand, they need Jesus in their life. The Holy Spirit is at work. And the Holy Spirit is convicting them of their sin. The Holy Spirit is rebuking them or convicting them of their self-righteousness. The Holy Spirit is telling them, listen, you better get right with God 
because there's going to be the future judgment that's going to come. It's the Holy Spirit taking the blinders off people's eyes so that they can see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, that's why we need, when we're praying for our non-believers, when we're praying for our, our unbeliever friends and co-workers and, and, and our community, we need to be praying, Lord Jesus, would you pour out your... Would, would you pour out your spirit onto this person or that person to help them understand and take the blinders off their eyes so that they can see and respond to the truth of God's Word. Jesus goes on there and He talks about this judgment. Verse 11, He says, and about judgment or, or condemnation because, again, the NIV that uh, Connie read says this, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Again, he asks that question of, you know, who is the prince of this world or, or literally is the ruler of this world? And of course, that is Satan. Of course, that is, other names we call him, the devil. The serpent of old. The one way back in the Garden of Eden that, that tempted Adam and Eve to question God's Word and to disobey God. And that, that, and that ultimately, what the Old Testament passages deal, deal with, that he himself rebelled against God. And those who are part of our study on Wednesday night, eventually we'll get to that passage where in Revelation that talks about that. How he was cast out of heaven. And how he took a third of the angels with him. But again, you look at the how it's translated here and about judgment because the ruler of this world now stands condemned. Literally, the ruler of this world has been condemned. Satan has been judged that he is guilty. And that happened way back when he first rebelled against God. Satan has been declared guilty, condemned. And he will one day be thrown in that lake of fire that we call hell. And all you have to do is turn to Revelation chapter 20 and 21 and you see that. That scene. He's been condemned. He's, God has said you're guilty and you have this judgment that's going to come upon you. But He also tells this. Everyone who follows Satan also is guilty. Which is why verse 11 is worded and about condemnation or about future judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. You see, every single person in this world is following something. There's only two camps. You're either following after Jesus and you're a child of God. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. You've been justified. You are in that right relationship with God. Or you're in the other camp following the prince of this world. There's no neutral ground according to Scripture. And again, that's why the Holy Spirit's role with unbelievers is to show them, to take those blinders off their eyes, to help them to see who they really are before a holy God, to help them understand the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that then they can respond. One last thing that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit is Verse 12, he says, I have much to say to you, more than you can bear. And again, Jesus knows that there's, there's only a few more hours that he has with his disciples. He'll get to the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll spend some time in prayer, and then he'll be arrested. 
And so Jesus says, you know, there's so much that I want to share with you about how this all plays out. Verse 13, but when He, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Again, going back to how the Holy Spirit works in believers' lives is that the Holy Spirit will be our guide in all truth. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one that as we read things, as we watch things, as we listen to things, the Holy Spirit is the one that is, is leading and guiding us and, and showing us, no, is this really true? Is this according to the truth of God's Word? Because if you go on, and this is important for us to understand, again, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. If we go on with, with the verse 13, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you in the all truth. Then He goes on. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and what He, and He will proclaim to you. He will glorify Me, verse 14, because He will receive what He will make known to you. Verse 15, all these things, all, the, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and He will make known to you. And so what the, again, the, how the Holy Spirit works and how the Holy Spirit functions according to what Jesus says here is the Holy Spirit is just not going to be doing everything off on His own, uh, own, own will and doing whatever. He is only going to lead you. He is only going to show you what God the Father and what I say. The Holy Spirit cannot and will not contradict what God the Father and what Jesus says. He can't. And again, this goes back to this understanding of, if you want the big term, theological terminology, is this trinity that we, we serve, that there's one God in three persons and so forth, and you want to figure out how that all plays out, you can have these conversations later. But this is this understanding of unity. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, and Jesus says this later on in chapter 17. And so the Holy Spirit just can't be off doing His own thing and the Father off doing His own thing and the Son doing off His own thing. That's why Jesus says, I have come to do My Father's will. He walks in obedience to God the Father's will. The Holy Spirit is the same way. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit cannot say, will not do anything that contradicts what God the Father and what Jesus says. In our days, nowadays, the Holy Spirit cannot contradict what God's Word says. He will never, ever, ever tell you to do something that goes against God's Word. Again, I've used this example in the past, but so many times we, we use the Holy Spirit and say, well, the Spirit told me to do this. When, I, when if you actually would stop and think about it, you would think, wait, the Holy Spirit's telling you to sin? No, that's not true. There was a couple that came into my office one time, and, and it's literally what came out of the person's mouth. The Holy Spirit told him to divorce his wife so that we can get married. I looked at them and I said, what? That's, that's not the Holy Spirit telling you to do that. Well, that's, that's, we, we prayed about it. I said, what happened to the clear teachings of God's Word about... The, Divorce and remarriage. Oh, that's just old-fashioned. Of course, I, they were coming to ask me. They were coming to my office so that I could to ask me if I would perform their marriage. Of course, I told them no. And they got very upset over that. 
But that's why John in 1 John talks about how we need to test the spirits. Because we need to make sure that these, what we hear, these voices inside our head, what we hear and, and as we lead in God, what we hear, we need to test and make sure, are these real, is this really from the God Spirit? Or is this something that is just my desire? We've talked a lot about over the past several years, this the, the NAR movement, the New Apostolic Reformation movement. And one of the things that they teach is this understanding of, of prophets. And, I, and they're prophets nowadays, not the sense, same sense that how they word it. And the reason why it's not the same sense that they word it, because according to God's word, a prophet from God has to be 100% accurate. There's no mistakes. No mistakes at all. And according to the Old Testament, I'm not saying we do this to all modern-day prophets, but maybe we should probably do this, or maybe in a form of it. In the Old Testament, if a prophet stands up and says, hey, this is the word of the Lord. This is Yahweh's word. This is what I heard from Yahweh. This is what's going to happen. If it doesn't come true, what were they supposed to do to that guy or that woman? Stone them. It wasn't, well, you got 90% right, but this little detail was a little off. Or, no, no, maybe, maybe you just didn't hear right. No. If you stand up and say, I have a word from God, I have a word from Yahweh, this is, this is what God has told me is going to happen, and it doesn't come true, then you stone them. And you're going to go back into Deuteronomy, and you can see those passages. In the evangelical church, with this whole NAR movement going on, how many times have we heard over the past several years, these people who claim to be prophets come out on YouTube or on Facebook and say, this is what God has told me is going to happen in the future. And it never happens. But we still listen to them. I'm not saying we go kill them, but maybe we should hit the unsubscribe button. Maybe we should stop watching their videos. And why is that? It's this. Because according to Jesus Himself, the Holy Spirit cannot contradict what God says. And if you stand up and say, I have a voice, I've heard directly from God, God's going to do this, and it doesn't come true, well, guess what? You're a false prophet. And you don't get a second chance. You don't get a third chance. According to God, you only get one chance. That's why this is so important. Because the Holy Spirit works in our lives to lead us, to guide us into that truth and that truth that we can test because we got the gift of, of, of God's Word. We can test and say, is this of God? Is this pleasing of God or not? And if it's not, then it's not of the Holy Spirit. The last thing that is not found in this passage, but just another rule that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is, of course, what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He empowers us to be His witnesses. That's what the understanding of when you, if you turn with me to Acts 1, 8, where Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He will give you power. This is what it says. But, when, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
part of the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is yes, He gives us power, but that power is to be witnesses, to empower us, to embolden us, to be witnesses wherever we are at. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not so that we can do miracles or things like that. The power of the Holy Spirit is to what Acts 1.8 says, is to empower us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Again, when you look at the Holy Spirit, when you look at how the Spirit functions in our lives, and this is how the Holy Spirit functions broadly, according to Jesus and in Jesus' conversation, as He's preparing His disciples for, for about, about ready to leave, he, he helps them understand that He is going to give them this other Helper. And again, we've seen this, the, the names throughout the, His names, the, this Helper or Comforter or Advocate is one name that Jesus calls Him. Another name that Jesus calls Him is the Spirit of Truth because He is going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He is going to show you what the truth is. He is called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. But we're all talking about the same, even though they may be different names, it's the same person. And according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit functions like these things in our lives as followers of, and, 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 and followers of Jesus' lives and in unbelievers. And so this is, if you want to say, this is the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us. And I believe... Personally, that this is this is the, the the gift of the Holy Spirit that He dwells in us, that He is with us for for the rest of our lives, that He is there leading us and guiding us. This is one of the gifts that it, that we as believers don't fully understand. I think some of it is because of some of the goofiness that happened, because we think, oh, we start talking about the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And historically, some of the goofy things that have happened of people falling down, barking like dogs, acting like crazy people. But according to Jesus, this is the Holy Spirit's role. When we come to know Jesus Christ, He gives us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit to live in us. We are the temples of God's Spirit. God's Spirit dwells in us to influence our daily lives. God's Spirit teaches us what it means to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to Him. God's Spirit takes these words of God's Word and, and makes them. In a, and, and Have you ever opened God's Word before? And hopefully you do this every morning or, or sometime during the day. That you open God's Word and you feel like it is God Himself that is speaking to you. That's God's Spirit taking these words off these pages and saying, this is yours. This is for you. He works with non-believers that He works in their, their hearts and their lives. He worked in your heart and in your life before you came to know Jesus. He was convicting you of your sin. He was helping you understand that no matter how good you think you are, you're never going to meet God's standard of perfection. That there will be a time when you stand before a holy God and you will be judged according to what you've done. That is what the Bible talks about. And the only way to survive that judgment is not how good I am, but is the blood of Jesus. His death and resurrection. He leads us. He guides us. He speaks to us. 
And Jesus says, and when He speaks, He only speaks things that are in alignment with what God the Father and what God the Son says. He cannot go off on His own because they're one. They're one. Again, when we understand as believers in Jesus Christ, the disciples, they were going through this and they were, they were so concerned because Jesus said, I'm leaving. And they're thinking, Jesus, where are you going? We want to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you can't go with me right now. But don't worry. I'm not going to leave you all alone. I'm not going to abandon you like orphans. Because just as I have been with you for the past three years, day in and day out, I'm going to send another helper named the Holy Spirit to come. And, I'm going to, and He is going to dwell with you every single day of your life. And He is going to be that helper that will lead you, that will guide you, that will empower you to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to me. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and this is how the Holy Spirit functions in your life. As we think about our non-believing friends, co-workers, neighbors, again, we need to be praying, Lord Jesus, would you pour out your Spirit on our community, on these individuals? Would you help them to understand the truth of your Word? Holy Spirit, would you work in their lives, drawing them closer to yourself? Again, this is how the Holy Spirit functions.